0: Welcome back to Revival on the Air today. This episode is part two in our four-part interview with Pastor John and his wife, Janet. We pick up the story just after Pastor John's mum challenged him by pointing out that he couldn't be both a farmer and be involved in the new church where he'd recently been baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. So he took the path, not that would lead him to riches of this earth, but heavenly riches, If you haven't listened to part one, I highly recommend that you hit the pause button now and go and catch up on the story so far. It's pretty amazing. Settle in, grab a cuppa, unless you're driving of course, and enjoy this great conversation with two people who've dedicated their lives to serving God. So I left the farm. And had you felt compelled to do that before she'd said anything or
1: was that oh, just really no, that look, catalyst that i mean len was pretty rugged uh, but he was such an evangelist and he was great with young people he really encouraged us you can do it hmm. and he and his brother-in-law peter mullen who came involved in adelaide here they used to quote wycliffe who used to say well you know, give me a bit of time, and I'll put a a Bible in everyone's hands. That even the ploughboys can know more about the Bible than what the the preachers behind the pulpit do. Mm. And uh, which is, I'm just reading something that Helen had written about the uh, the King James Version. Right. And uh, so, yeah. Anyway, praise the Lord. So we uh, we just we just got took to off. know
2: each other at Port Lincoln.
1: That's right. So you so, moved to Port Lincoln, then. Did yeah, you? Janet yep. was already there, yep. um, and but I, I didn't know I was going to Port Lincoln. I decided to leave the farm. I think I went down there first of all, and then uh, my mother said to me, "Look, you've got to have a holiday." They were convinced I had gone sick in the head, so I needed a good yeah, holiday. Rest. <laughs> Um, and uh, in fact, one time they had actually sent me to the local doctor to get my head examined, and, uh, and the lady doctor, she said, "Well, what are you doing here?" sort of thing. And she basically, <laughs> "Well, what are you wasting my time for?" sort of thing. So um, she'd seen some people that were really sick in the head. But um, so I uh, I went off, had this holiday. Mum said, "You've got to have this holiday." I went for a trip up the River Murray. Um, I was going to go on a boat trip to New Zealand, but I'd heard about supporting some overseas native evangelists. So I thought, I'll oh, I'll do that and I'll save some money and put it into that. So I went on a trip up the River Murray instead, got a bus up to Renmark and so on. I witnessed to a lot of people on there and, and uh, then went to Victoria and. Um, and took some along to a Melbourne meeting and all this sort of thing. Uh, but um, yeah, so then while I was over there, I told the pastors over there that I was I'd left the farm. And this was in Melbourne. Melbourne and yeah. Geelong. Yeah. Uh, so they had some suggestions. Uh, maybe go to Ballarat. I went up there and had a look. They were needing a pastor there. It didn't seem to fit. But then. They said, look, Len's asking for help in Port Lincoln from South Australia. I said, "Okay then. So I went back there and Janet had already gone there for a similar reason, to give some support. And uh, so we were there, uh, that would have been early 1959. And uh, as I say, Janet had been there since for about six months uh, by that time. And so we were just... Couple of young people in the assembly, and so, so what
0: did you think at this point, Janet? Because before you thought he was a hopeless case. And oh, I <laughs> thought
2: he was uh, he was not a hopeless case.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: well, neither. He proved of us, me wrong. Yeah. Yes. Well, neither of us were interested in getting married, or so we thought. Um, we were just—we're uh, we going to be like Paul and just be free and and preach the gospel and and so on. But oh, she was she was too good looking for that, you know. <laughs> did not just leave her on the shelf. So, uh, but um, so we used to, we actually used to go and visit people, and people thought we were an item before we were. And um, we, we used to, to do vis- a lot of follow up, so they knew before you did that you were an item. <laughs> yeah, I think Len and Jane were pushing it a little bit too in the background. They were Ben Cupids, but yeah, we we used to go and visit people and. You know some of the older folks around the place, and it was Port Lincoln. Had a good little group going at that mm. stage. Len was a great evangelist, and so was Jane. They were really Jane good.
2: Jane used to when she was first came to the Lord in Geelong, she'd get her housework done, and then she'd get in a little car and think, now who can I go and talk to today? <laughs> because they <laughs> yeah. were brought up in Geelong, Geelong wow. was their place. Yeah. Off she'd go, you know, and she had. A lot of people came to the Lord there.
1: Wow. So we were there. We got married in September 1960, so we'd been there in Port Lincoln for over a year together.
2: Wow. That was interesting. I mean, I, I walked into a job at Port Lincoln... But from having from a horrible place to a really good one, yeah. you know, it, was, it was good. So quite sure the Lord worked that You can Lord see the blessing better. of the Lord yeah. you yes. know all of that, can't you? Yes, that's right. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. so that was, that was good times because uh, when we started keeping company, uh, I was working for Clarkson's, which was the forerunner of Pilkington's uh, okay. glass, glass and so on, uh, hardware and everything. And I drove the little truck around making deliveries and I could sort of... Make my own time to a certain degree. And um Janet would get off at lunchtime and I'd pick her up in the truck and take her down the street and she'd <laughs> have a salad sandwich <laughs> and things like that. And so what did you what were your parents thinking at this stage? You got married? Um... Well they
2: I don't think they like me very
1: much. Yeah, I think they finished up feeling sorry for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, of course, Dad was old and um, we got married uh, from Port Lincoln, basically, and I had moved to Moonta to try and start a little fellowship there. There were some contacts there.
0: So for those that don't know, how far is Moonta from Port Lincoln? Moonta
1: is 100 miles, 150 k's from... Adelaide, up on York Peninsula, top of York Peninsula. Uh, There was a few people that were spirit-filled from another church. They had no pastor, and so we got involved there and prayed for a lot of those people. They'd been in the AOG for years and years, and a lot of them had never received the Spirit. And so I had these seekers meetings, and a lot of them received the Holy Spirit. But. we got married and uh, neither of us could get much work. Janet tried to get a job teaching and couldn't get one. Um, I was doing a bit of farm work, seasonal work, but once the barley season was over, mm-hmm. there was no work. And so um, we decided to see if we could get work in Adelaide. And there was Janet made an appointment to go and see the education department. I uh, saw an ad in the paper for a storeman's job made an appointment, we left uh, uh, on we the Monday morning. We and
2: fasted.
1: Yeah, that's right. We prayed and fasted about it. And uh, we left early on the Monday morning, we got here at 9.30 in the morning, and by lunchtime we both had a job and a house to, <laughs> to, to, to rent. You so know, we decided so,
2: Adelaide was where we were yeah. going. Those prayer and
1: fast yeah. things work, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> that's right, yes. So you're stuck with us now. Yeah. Um And uh, so we... We then, uh, there was already a little group here, maybe 20 people, and Jeff and Lorraine had uh, got married uh, about that time, and they were here as well That uh, Jeff and Lorraine, Capel, and Janet's second sister. And so, and there was another chap called Peter Mullen who um, was uh, separated from his wife. She had severe mental problems, and he'd left for his own sanity, I think.
2: He was in the. Uh... The, uh, the communist. communist.
1: He was a communist. Yeah. The Ford Motor Company in Geelong. The shop steward. A real, <laughs> <stirrer>. real, real, real <laughs> bad ragger he was. A real yeah.
2: steward he was.
1: And he was a brother-in-law to Len Day. Yep. Uh, Len's wife, Joan, mm. was a sister of, of Peter, and he tried to talk Len out of mm. what had happened to him, and he wanted to talk to this uh, this Jack Clay. So. Uh, it was arranged, and uh, he came in just to, you know, If you knew the guy, you can just picture it. And, you know, right, well, I don't want to listen to this rubbish. And, and Jack says, look, let's let me tell you about it. He said, look, I know all about church. I've been to church. He said, look, well, you've never been to my house. He said, let me... Let's give me a little bit of time and I'll... And then I'll answer your questions afterwards. Jack went through all of these prophecies and and everything, and about receiving the Holy Spirit. And he said, halfway through, he just got this incredible conviction, this is the truth. truth yeah. And he just knew that it was. That we're just preaching the gospel um, at great length. Jack mm-hmm. could talk for a long time. And he just knew from being a complete atheist, he became a believer. And shortly after that, I've told the story a few times, he went to... Uh, a communion service. This is still in Geelong? A, yeah, in Geelong? Yeah, in yeah, Geelong. And this, uh, this Peter Mullen, he, uh, uh, the gifts operated, and Peter was a real tough homber, not quite as tough as he thought he was, but he um, he started crying. Wow. And somebody, what's the matter? He said, that message was for me. And the prophecy has said, I have forgiven you who has always mocked me. Wow. And he just knew it was, was for him. Yeah. And uh, he was a great evangelist as well and he really got the assembly going in Adelaide. So what, he moved to Adelaide, did he? He came over, because his sister and brother-in-law were over here, mm. he came over and he got a job, um, was a, a salesman, even though he was a, a, a toolmaker by mm. trade, he got a job as a salesman. Uh, Len worked for the Ford Agency in Port Lincoln, but they were in uh, partnership with the Napier uh, farm machinery people who were from uh, the uh, Darling Downs. Uh, uh, forget where it was uh, out there near Toowoomba, uh, and so he got this job travelling all around yeah. the, the the state, calling on the Ford people and yeah. so on. Um, but the Duncan family were in Adelaide and. Uh, they got interested. There was a friend of the Duncans, the, this Dutch family, the Kabitas. They used to be in Port Lincoln. And, and Byron Kabita came over to witness to the Duncans. And uh, he called Peter in. And Peter uh, spoke to them. Mm. And um, they still hadn't done anything, but I was coming over from Port Lincoln and uh, Phil Duncan... Um, Jock's mum she was very interested quite convicted um, and she said to Jock she said oh i've got this young methodist minister coming around to to see us well jock thought because he was only 17 i was 21 and oh well that's a bit better than this this old bloke who was about 38 or something or <laughs> other you see this is peter uh, yeah. so <laughs> uh, so he uh uh he decided he'd, he'd listen to what I had to say. And so I remember talking to them that night out on, they were at Torrens Park up here to Price Avenue, just up from the Vogue. And uh, it was a hot summer's night. We were sitting out on the veranda and uh, went through a number of things and so on. And they, uh, the parents agreed to get baptised. And uh, Jock was, we was very quiet in those days which is hard to imagine. Did they believe in anything? They went like to church. They went to church, so yeah, church. Yeah, oh, okay. the, the, uh, Jock and his dad had made decisions at the Billy Graham right, crusade. Okay. Uh, but they all went to the Baptist church yeah. down at Only Park. Uh, but that particular night, they agreed to get baptised. So um, Gordon and uh, Phil Duncan and Jock, um, who was the middle uh, son... They all got baptised down at Brighton Beach the next day, mm-hmm. uh, which was interesting in itself. Why um, was that interesting? Well, uh, for those who didn't meet Jock's mother, she was um, very um, interesting. Um, <laughs> she, she was... <laughs> Why uh, it? <laughs> um, she was... Uh, what was the word? Uh, But just to describe a little bit of it, everyone knew when Phil arrived at our meetings because she would have several great big bags with all her stuff in and she'd go and sit right in the middle at the the Vogue and push over past a number of people and then talk to everybody on the way in (laughs) and then uh, sit down. But she was a great evangelist. She used to get on the bus and travel around all over Adelaide just to talk to people. Just to witness to people. Yeah, that's right. Love it. So anyway, this this Saturday morning when they were going to get baptised because, you know, she was a middle-aged lady and she didn't have any bathers, so she had to go and buy some bathers and the, we trafzed all over town following them around as they, she tried to go into <laughs> a shop to find a pair of bathers suitable to get baptised in. So eventually they got baptised down at Brighton Beach I'm not sure when they received, but um, sort of Jock's story, he he sort of had second thoughts and was pulled back, but his dad sort of uh, pulled him into line and said, what sort of a character are you to um, get baptised and you're not going on? So he went to a meeting and received the Holy Spirit and never looked back since. I'm going to get his and Helen's story at some point. That's right. We've already booked them in. he'll, He'll tell it. He'll tell it how he believes it happened. <laughs> <laughs> but we're happy to take any lowdown on <laughs> Pastor Jock mm-hmm. on
0: this uh, from you directly. Yeah. So you're in Adelaide. Yes. We
2: haven't uh, talked about the aeroplane adventures.
0: Oh, tell me about the aeroplane adventures. In <laughs> exactly. fact, Emily said, Oh, you've got to ask about
1: the aeroplane adventures. Yes. <laughs> right. Well you were involved in that I from the start. Too.
2: Yeah, I was boarding with them, you see. They decided to go to get an aeroplane and So who airplane. is this? lead Led Day. I was boarding with Leonard Jones. Yep. And he had to pass the uh, navigating thing, you see. But he didn't do that. I was the one that did that. What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> all those charts and things, you know, used to come in. This was, oh, I did all right at that, yes.
0: <laughs> so you did the charts and he submitted those as...
2: Yes, I used to do them. <laughs> well, you know, they'd ask questions like, if you're flying such and such a direction, yes. you've got a wind coming this way. Yes what correction do you have to put on yes. with the direction you're going in? So it wasn't very difficult, but anyway, did all that. But went flying with him lots of times, went up to Seduna.
0: Well, obviously, because if you yes. went flying with him, who was going to tell him what he needed he
2: to would do? Follow, he would follow <laughs> a road
1: map or, or the coast. Or oh, the train lines were good to follow. <coughs> it hardly ever rained over there, so... Yes. Well. So
2: he was pretty well right. But anyway... <coughs>
1: What sort of uh, plane it was just a little... It was a, a, a Percival Proctor. Yeah.
2: Part two, yes. Yeah. So it was... Um, sat four people. But uh, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd land in the paddock and all sorts of things. Yeah, oh, wow. So that was quite exciting. So one, one time he said, well, we'll go over to Geelong. Do you want to come with us? Said, oh, yeah, that'll be all right. I'd go and see my parents. And uh, he took off. And we landed um, in... Uh, in a paddock, couldn't find a paddock really, but he found one eventually nearby. There was a the river, and then there was a great big levee bank, and then this paddock where he landed. Landed in that, that was all right. It had been pretty wet, and the ground was soggy and everything. And anyway, he took off again. And he went, he went, he disappeared over the edge of the of the Lenny Bank. It was a very high one. He disappeared over there, <laughs> we're sort of there looking, what the earth's going to happen next? Is going to be flames and smoke or something when he hit the ground. But he didn't, he must have given it everything it had to because it took off and landed. And he went and landed in Geelong on what they called, what are they called The Common. The Common, the Geelong Common. And what he used to do is fly and chase all the cows and that wave that were on it and then he'd land. But anyway he did that and then when it was coming back it's only a four-seater but he had five people in it that so was I was one of them and taking off there was a common which was flat and then you had to go over a hill and down the other side and he was so close to the houses you could look like I was standing up looking down the chimneys so you know, right. thinking, down into the to the to the valley below and away. I away. Well, oh, well, that's all right. I sat down there, and everything was all
0: right.
1: And so, why did he buy the planes? Just to, to, to get just, around just, all over the Air peninsula. Yeah, yeah. Like because
0: to witness to people, or for work, oh, or well,
1: for there was a few people in Segina still. Yes. And there was a few in Wyala. Yes. And uh, and of course in Port Lincoln, where the main happening was at yes. that time. So, that's
0: right. So now, yeah. So you married. You're now in Adelaide. Yes. Um, both got jobs, which yes. are clearly blessed of the Lord. And I think you said there was around twenty or so That's people right. at that
1: yeah. point. What year was this? It's 1961. Okay, when we came here. Yeah. And uh, we lived uh, together with uh, with Jeff and Lorraine, and uh, there's Peter Muller, and we uh, we had a house um, not far from the airport. And uh, yeah, so we were there for a while, and uh, we shifted to Gladstone. Yeah, that was outside the wall. So who's heading up the work here? Was got well, a particular uh, pastor or were you...? Well, this chap, Peter Mullen, was really the leader. leader. Yeah. But he didn't believe in pastors. Mm-hmm. He believed that everyone in the ministry should be treated equally. So yeah. there was Geoff on, and Peter and myself yes. that all shared the ministry around okay. and, yeah. uh, and so on. So, um, yeah, we had some good times with him. Uh, but he had personal difficulties which got the better of him yeah. and he finished up sort of really falling away. Okay. Uh, I think he made his way back and finished up in a little Pentecostal group down okay. in Hobart, but he, uh, how I became the pastor, um, it was because the leader disappeared, <laughs> which is... Uh, <laughs> been and you're looking
0: sh- around going, who's he, going to do the job.
1: Yes.
2: People <laughs> <laughs> was that... What are you looking for, this Peter? Joseph, Joseph I don't know where he is. That's know.
1: right, yes, yeah. So, anyway, that's another story. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, well, anyway, maybe we won't go into all the little details of what happened there. But uh, because people were looking to Peter, I mean, he was a nice fellow and he brought a lot of people to the Lord. So, when he left, a number of people sort of left as well sure and uh, went off, or maybe they were leaving before this, but it was, the Lord wasn't blessing it because it had got to the point where his morals were not good, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And uh, so, in the end, I kept pleading with him to stay, but in the end, I found out what was going on, so I said, Look, you've got to leave for the sake of the little group here. Mm. He went to Geelong where his sister had gone back to this Jane Day and said, oh, John told me to leave. So she rang me up and told me off. I said, hang on a minute. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, uh, and that was just before Christine was born. uh, Christine, your daughter? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I remember when Jane told me off, I felt like I'd been socked in the solar plexus and jealous lying down because she was you know, child, a child. Yes. Yeah. and I went and lay down next to her because I'd just been flattened by a telephone call. Yeah. Uh, now, was that the
0: first time you'd ever had any sort of negative feedback about your
1: ministry or leadership? Uh, that was, it was up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were difficult times. I think mm. that we're a very stable organisation these days, but in the formative years there was um, a lot of strange things that were were sort of surface surfacing and sadly a lot of those people sort of drifted away from us and so on
0: and is that and why is that is that were they just the times you know the times in society where everyone was you know oh
1: uh, i mean when you're having a lot of revival It takes a fair bit of sifting out the the gold and, uh, well, the parable of the sower and the seed. You know, some people are unstable. Uh, They that in a a good and honest heart bring forth fruit with with patience, persistence, and uh, others are caught out of the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and some are on shallow ground and some get a bit fanatical, others, you know, just their flesh gets the better of them and so on. But it's happening all the time. But it's just that we've been going for so long now that we've got a lot of uh, leaders that have really been through the Mm. mill. And I think we're very cautious to appoint people who are stable. Mm. Um, Occasionally somebody turns out to be different than you hoped. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, So there you go.
0: So now you're the pastor of the church? Yep. Yeah,
2: I think the fellows got together and decided you were the oldest, so you could be the pastor.
1: That's right. Yes, yeah. I think that was. Yeah, they they were all to There was there was Jock and his brother Ben and Jeff Capon, and myself. And I. I was a few years older than the rest of them. And were you concerned at that, or did that,
0: you know, did that just seem like a natural fit for you at the time, or?
1: Uh yeah. I felt that that I was not. Uh, the right person for that sort of thing and I used to think oh if we could get somebody else to come maybe an older person to come and help us um, and uh, but it reminded me of a story in the old testament where the king said, well, who's going to order the battle when the prophets said you are? And uh, so that's sort of how it happened. There's plenty of examples, Moses. There's plenty
0: of examples of people saying, hey, isn't there somebody else to do the job other than me?
1: Yes. So, um, and and Jock has been fantastic, you know, he's sort of uh, always been right there to support me. We haven't always agreed on everything, but we always uh, respect each other and... Jeff so,
2: was uh, a very solid citizen oh
1: yeah, yeah he was great as well yeah. so um, yeah so that was that was here in Adelaide and and the assembly really folded up in uh, where we were meeting in in Waville because uh, with Peter leaving and um, and others being a bit disillusioned and so on and they went off to other churches but we'd had uh, some interest over Elizabeth okay. Um, and um, and so, really, was it the core group of families at that point? Was it? it that well, there was, sort was of remained in the church. There was, um, yeah, the the family were there, um, but also mainly from Port Lincoln contacts. went a number of Dutch immigrants yeah. that were involved, um, but then we got people up at Elizabeth, were witnessed to, and from various quarters. And we started campaigning up there. Mm -hmm. Um, Jock's brother Ben had got married and he was in the Air Force and living in Elizabeth Park and Jock was boarding with them. And Jock, I think he'd been to Port Lincoln and tried to help out there, but that wasn't going all that well either. And so he said, ''Oh, he'd like to do some campaigning at Elizabeth.'' And he was organising it and I used to go up and do the preaching. And then people started coming to the Lord. So when it sort of got messy here in Wayville, we were, well, let's start up in in Elizabeth because there were bigger Pentecostal churches and people going off there. Well, if we go to a suburb where there's nothing much happening or well, we can yeah. establish something. And uh, we went up there and we finished up. Uh, ben and Anna were there. Uh, Jock was still single. He uh, got a job up there. Uh, Jeff was working up that way. He was working at WRE, it was it called. Um, and uh, uh, Lorraine got a job teaching there. By this time, uh, we had our Christine. Uh, so, um, and I got a job up there as well. So we all moved and lived in housing trust flats okay. or rental accommodation and so on.
0: And so what around what year is this? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, Christine was born in 62, so it was around the end of 62. Yeah, OK. And, uh, so we were there for 14 years. We are in, in Elizabeth. There's
0: quite a story to tell around Christine, isn't there? Yep, yeah, yep.
2: Oh, Christine, oh, yes. She was born, they came, came to me, I think, the day after or something, and said, oh, she wasn't breathing properly. And they didn't expect her to survive. Really? And, uh, it was a bit, a bit of a worry there for a bit.
1: Yes. It must
0: have shocked you, I imagine. Yes. As... Well, it, it's
1: not supposed to happen to no. us. We're no. spirit filled. Exactly. We're serving the Lord. And exactly. It's not going to happen to us.
2: But I know the uh, the nurse who was in charge of the uh, of that section of the nursery. She came to me the day after I was told this, and she said, "I don't know what's happened to your little girl, but she's all right." You know. She,
0: so, she, so what happened? So you you got told that she might not. Yes, yeah, she Survive. was told she wouldn't
1: see the night out. Yeah, the she night was, out. It's she like... was born on the twenty seventh of July, nineteen sixty two, and so it must have been on the uh, the the day of uh, the thirty first um, that that we were to, Janet was told this, and I came in to see her, and um, that night. We were having a, an outreach at Elizabeth. We'd hired a hall there and we were showing a film and um, it was about healing and uh, I was to preach on healing. My own daughter was dying in hospital so I preached to myself as much as anybody. Uh, so how did but,
0: you feel getting up in front of everybody?
1: Well, I guess it's what you've got to do and... Um, so, I mean, you believe that God's going to help you. Yeah, of course. And uh, so, um, yeah, so preached on all these wonderful scriptures and there was a lot of new people came to that meeting. It was a violent electrical storm and the projector nearly broke down I was showing the film with them, and uh, all hell was thrown against us, you might say. But uh, <laughs> and for the youngsters
0: listening, the projector was a real with <laughs> with, with some cellulose film on it, That's you know, right, with two yeah, spools yeah. running around. That's right. <laughs> but yeah. that wasn't
2: all. Took her back to the specialist later, and uh, he said she had various signs that they said, "Oh, I said she's going to be a cretin."
1: And uh, what, what does that mean?
2: Mentally, and she wasn't going to develop.
1: Mentally well. and physically, they don't develop properly. Yeah. Okay. So just basically a, anyway, a vegetable.
2: We, we pointed all this out to the Lord and uh, she never never had anything the matter with it.
1: Yeah, well the, the hernia, but the umbilical hernia, yeah, was what she had, yes. the specialist said it was the biggest he'd ever seen on a, a baby of uh, three weeks of age yeah. and, uh, and we had prayer and within a week it had disappeared. Wow. It had gone back yeah. in of its own accord. Wow. And uh, so, because um, she, she had severe thyroid deficiency. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, it was
2: to do with thyroid
1: things, yeah. yeah. So she's now a grandma. Yes. Yeah. So, so.
2: yes, nothing, nothing that other, so. no. the that so... Praise the Lord, it's amazing. Praise the all those things happen in the midst of all of this trouble and yeah. everything. Was, that yeah,
1: that's that. right. Yeah. Yes. yes, that's right. So, so, But anyway, God is good. So now
0: we're into sort of the early 1960s. You're yes. in Elizabeth. You're, yes. So you're
1: hiring a hall up there. Yes, yes. We uh, started off... It was hard to get a hall to hire because the place was very young. The whole mm. town was young. And we hired the Smithfield Institute. for our, We had morning meetings and for a night meeting uh, we hired the Dauncey Road Cricket Club Hall, which was rather interesting because... I don't know if they played a lot of cricket but it smelt like they drank a lot of beer <laughs> <laughs> by the time we got in there and we'd have to mop the place out before we could have the meeting and um, but we you know we've started to have some pretty good meetings we started off with just a handful of people up mm. there in fact the first Christmas when Christine was a baby um, she would have been about five months old and the others all went away at christmas so there was janet and i left there and we went to we must have been having both meetings at smithfield at that stage we went to the night meeting a few others had been to the morning meeting there was only one other person turned up and janet was playing the little button organ that she had because she swapped the the accordion for that, because when she was expecting, well, her arms weren't long enough (laughs) to play the accordion. Uh, And uh, so she had this little button organ, which, uh, and she was playing that and I was preaching and we had one person in the congregation. (laughs) So I said, look, let's go around to your place and talk to your husband. So that was was our evangelical meeting that night. Um, But um, yeah, so we, we battled along there. We had some pretty disappointing times. Another night, we were in the, uh, the Dauncey Road Cricket Club Hall and there was just the seven of us. Before Jock got married, Helen was still over in Victoria. And uh, there was three young couples and we had uh, Christine, but uh, uh, the others didn't have kids at that stage. And uh, I remember one we were looking at the chorus book to see what we could think and one of the brothers was a bit of a wag, he uh, found a chorus in there, bend me lower, and <laughs> we didn't know whether we could go much lower than this. We were all disappointed because <laughs> no one turned up. So I think that was another night we went back to our place and had a bit of fellowship there.
0: Did you ever question that? I mean, given that it must have been hard at that point, did you ever question, you know, perhaps the, the excitement of what you saw in Sejuna with all those people receiving the Holy Spirit... Yes. Um, did, did you ever question, you know, what am I doing here in Elizabeth with the six of us or seven of us?
1: We did. Um, and uh, I remember talking to Jock one time and said, well, should we go somewhere else? Mm. And uh, we thought, well, if we go somewhere else, we'll have to start off from from scratch, so we might as well stay here. Uh, I thought of maybe just giving up leading something and into interstate where there were bigger assemblies and just sort of be just a helper join there. another church, yeah. Um, and um, because we had, you know, others were in the fellowship, in, particularly in Victoria. So, um, no, we just... But we always seemed to get new people along. Mm. We were all evangelical. And when you live in a, a, a housing trust rental area, there's people coming and going and there's always... Migrants arrive, you know. We have from... more
2: people to talk to there than we ever do here. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. So it was, yeah, no, we we never really um, felt that we were. Um... I know at one stage before my father died, he came to visit us, and here's this successful farmer from the West Coast comes over and finds his son had left the farm to go and preach the gospel living in a housing trust, rental accommodation um, and, uh, you know, a, a, a baby and another one on the way. And and uh, he just said, oh, why don't you just come back to the farm? Mm. And uh, anyway, uh, um, I said, no, I said, it's uh, this is where God wants me and this is what we do. And it, it was heartbreaking to see how heartbroken they were, mm. you know, because let's face it, their religion was farming.
0: They could have looked at it two ways. You yeah. know, one way, which is the way that they did, in terms of yeah. why don't you come back to the farm, but they could have also looked at it, wow, this must be really powerful for him to give all that up. Yes. Uh, to be here uh, yes. where he is. So. Well,
1: the difference was between my parents and Janet's parents. Mm. Yeah. Well, when I'm Janet's sure. father died, well, her mother came over and lived with us and she was the most loyal supporter you could get. She yeah. didn't say much. I always say she was a perfect mother-in-law. She didn't <laughs> say much, you know. I
0: to stop laughing because my mother-in-law <laughs> will listen to this.
1: <laughs> no, she's all right. Yeah. She's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So no, it was, you just if you know what you're calling is, well, you you go through some rough patches, but you uh, you never seriously consider if you burn your bridges behind you. There's not much to go back to, is there? You've got to forge on, don't you? That's yeah. right. Yeah.
0: And so what happened over the next 10 years? <clears throat> so you're mid-60s now, I assume.
1: Yeah, David was born in 64 and then things started to pick up um, and uh, we got the opportunity uh, to, um, we came into some money and we were able to build a little hall at Elizabeth East and um, that really started to trigger things off. Uh, it was only about 30 people when we built that um, but that was 1966. But in the next 10 years, we had uh, uh, we'd gone to over 300 people. Wow! In 10 years. Was just in this
0: one hall, or was that? Yeah. Built? Well, we
1: we built a little hall, yes. and then the we had way. enough land to build another hall. Yes. And then we extended that, and we and we, well, we were four and a half years in the okay. little hall. And then we, were, about 1970, we got into the the bigger hall, and then uh, about three years later, we we extended it, and we're only in that for 18 months or something, and that was full as well. Yeah, right. So that's when we sold that property and bought the Vogue Theatre. Yeah, okay.
0: So that was so 1976. 1976, yeah. which I think was when my mum got widowed too. About right, that time. About, I think about I think that we time, were, I think. We were already at. Yeah, because we were again. living in Elizabeth. As well. Oh, of course, your mm. mum came to the water. Yeah, that's bed, right. She? Yeah, she yeah. got door knocked uh, by a lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By Evelyn, I think
1: yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The lady that used to cut my hair when it <laughs> needed cutting. <laughs> wow,
0: well, she didn't have that job for very long, did she? Well, a few years. <laughs> and so, so it was mid-70s was about the time when the Vogue was purchased.
1: 1976, we yeah. bought that. And again, that was quite miraculous really as far as we were concerned because uh, Pastor Rex was very good. He'd been in real estate and uh, we were looking around for various properties. Uh, We had thought of maybe starting a meeting down south but the the oversight all felt we all wanted to stay together Mm. and so we looked around at various places and everything we looked at wasn't suitable. But um, the right timing, uh, colour TV was coming in, and uh, running a cinema wasn't a profitable business anymore. Now this huge place that seated, uh, I think about 600 people at the time, and because uh, we would re- done the seating downstairs since then, um, <clears throat> and uh, there was the the Clifford Theatre people had. I think five theatres on their books that they wanted to sell. There was two, two in the Highly Street in the city, which were too dear for us. There was one at Semaphore, um, and there was the Capri and the Vogue, and uh, the uh, the Vogue was like the city ones were the dearest, mm. but the the Vogue was the next dearest. And I thought, oh, maybe the Capri and the Santa Fall was a bit out on a limb. So, uh, but Rex was good. We, you know, we want the Vogue. And because he lived at Kernelite Gardens, that helped a bit. (laughs) (laughs) uh, um, But uh, he was very good, very persistent. So, again, we had to sell the property at Elizabeth. and Before he could commit to buying the Vogue, right? Yes, yes. So, uh, um, and... You know, it was all buying that was subject to the sale of the other. And so there was what they wanted for it and what we had been offered by one uh, church that was interested in buying the Elizabeth property and what the bank would lend us. There was a $100,000 gap. And uh, so we went back to the theatre people and we said we... This is our problem. So they said, and they desperately wanted. To. So initially, they had wanted to, they owned the shopping centre next door. But they said, oh, well, they checked with their property people and said, no, that's on a separate title. So that's. Oh, so what they're we're originally trying to sell the whole lot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. And uh, uh, so, anyway, they said, okay, well, we can sell the Vogue th- separate. And even then, there was 100000 between what we'd been offered. But in the meantime, they said, we really want to sell it. So we will knock $40,000 off if we can take, because it's a private sale, we've got no agents fees involved here, uh, if we can take all of our projection equipment and all that sort of thing out of the place including the emergency generator and everything will knock forty thousand dollars off and then uh in the meantime we found another buyer who came from the property at elizabeth and they came up forty thousand dollars (laughs) more So there was a $20,000 gap. We went back to the bank and they said, right, we'll lend you an extra 20000 wow. So we are able to move in there uh, in October 1976 mm-hmm. and the floodgates opened. Uh, the next year uh, we baptised, uh, I think, about 200 people and a wow. lot of them stayed. So you're about three hundred strong yeah, at that point. that's right. Yeah, you had
0: two hundred people. Well, not everybody
1: here. stays, of, yeah, course. of course. Yeah, of uh, course. But uh, over the next uh, five years, we uh, we filled the Bogue up, uh, and it went from three hundred to eight hundred people, and um, we had to put more seating in downstairs and all that sort of thing. So by By 19, well, it was less than five... It was about five years before we started up again at Elizabeth. Mm. Uh, So around September 1980, we bought the Elizabeth Vale property. Mm. Uh, We set about and uh, built a uh, uh, a crash for them, their Sunday school, and uh, we had a, a, a hall opening in a tent... (laughs) <laughs> we, we put up a, a big marquee where the main hall is now mm. and uh, we had an official opening um, And um, but we had more revival again and so the little hall, the Sunday school, was pretty well full right away mm. and uh, so um, we immediately set about to build the main hall... Yeah. So I think it must have been 1981 we had the first hall opening and a year later we had another hall opening. Yeah, And it all continued to grow and the Vogue filled up again and we started down south. So that time in the sort of mid to late 70s
0: when, you know, you'd had the Vogue and it it filled up in such a short space of time, have you ever thought about why that happened? Like in... Why was there such revival at that that particular point in time? Because I've heard other people refer to that time, and obviously I, my mother and and my my family came along at that time too. Was it part of what was happening in society at that time that people were more open to to new things? Well,
1: all our fellowship around Australia were having exciting times as well. It was so exciting that we hardly knew what was going on in other places because all, we were all busy with their own revival. OK. Because you obviously had a very big
0: you know, counterculture movement, you had yeah. hippies and other people around oh, yeah. at that time, so you that, had a very, Help it was a very different society than, <clears> than perhaps yes. it is today.
1: Yes. I think that then uh, people were dissatisfied with the establishment and they were breaking away from that um, and they were prepared to consider alternatives, whereas the current generation are more interested in getting a good education and making a lot of money. Mm. Um, and um, so, and the society's become very godless as well. So. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Anyway, praise the Lord. So we're in the 80s now? Yes. Vogue, Elizabeth. Yeah. And when did the Woodcroft? Well, that was, was really much later, wasn't it?
1: Uh, let me think. Oh, I think we were starting to... Uh... I can't quite remember what date we started having meetings at Moana because yeah. the Vogue kept on filling up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a yes. Yeah. And,
0: uh, and for so those that aren't in Adelaide, so Adelaide's a very you know, north to south type yeah. city which That's is right. bordered by the hills and the coast. That's right. And so yeah. it's quite a sort of long, sort yes. of narrow. So Elizabeth's up in the north, yes. uh, the Vogue's in the centre um, yes. and you know, sort of Moana and Woodcroft are in the south. That's right. So really you've got a whole part
1: of the city that was really unserviced, I imagine, yes. until the Moana yes, meeting right. started. We, we had a lot of... Even when we were at Elizabeth, before we came to the boat, we had a lot of revival down south. And people were just travelling up. That's right, the surfies. Oh, of course. From Seaford and yep. Moana and those sort of places, they were... uh, uh was some pretty amazing testimonies amongst them. See, uh, Pastor Graham, um, he, when he... Uh, well, he'd received the Spirit as a, a boy in Geelong... ..in Melbourne, rather. And uh, he went to college, uh, agricultural college, out at Horsham, and that's where he met Maureen, and they got married. Um, and they they came to Adelaide, and then she came to the Lord. Um, but they uh, were friends with Brian and Ann Allen, and uh, they both bred dogs and um, Anne got sick and so um, Pastor Graham went to them and uh, she was in hospital and he said to Brian would would Anne like us to pray for Mm -hmm. her and Brian said well I don't believe in anything but she'd like that. So I remember going in to visit her in the hospital in the Royal Adelaide and having to go out because the doctors wanted to treat her and eventually got a chance to pray for her, and God healed her. And uh, she'd uh, had an operation, but some sort of uh, blood clot had Mm. settled somewhere or other and she was paralysed from the the waist down or something, you know. But anyway, God healed her of all of that. And, of course, she uh, got out and she came along and she got baptised... And that was an interesting time because by this time we were in the second stage of the Elizabeth Hall. It wasn't the little hall; it was the, the I thought it
2: was the little
0: hall.
1: No, I think it was the. I can remember him being up the back of the uh, of the, the the first stage of the hall, and um, <clears throat> it was an interesting time because uh, it was Christmas time. And we used to go down to Kingston Park uh, and uh, put our tents and caravans down there. Uh, where's or just where's tents, Kingston think, Park? Down near Brighton. OK, yep. yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a nice caravan park down there. And we'd come back to Elizabeth to run the Sunday meeting and uh, Brian uh, came along uh, with, with Anne because she'd been baptised whether he got there when she was baptised, I'm not sure. But this day he was there, and he was a fanatic for work. He was a ceramic tyler. He used to work seven days a week. So he took the time off to see what his wife had got mixed up in. And I can still recall the end of the meeting, the people talking up the back. And I went up to Brian, and I said, What did you think of that, Brian? Never heard so much rot in all my <laughs> life, he says. <laughs> okay. Well, then without knowing it, I said, magic word is an Englishman, you see. I said, Brian, would you like to come to our place for a cup of tea? Well, he could not refuse a <laughs> cup of tea. So I said to Janet, we've got this new family coming around, and Graham and Maureen, because all our kids were little, you know. And, and Janet said, You've forgotten something. I said, What's that? We've got nothing in the house. We're camping at Kingston Park. Oh, well, the deli's open, so we went and bought you know, milk and tea and and uh, sugar and whatever else we needed. And we got them around there, because Graham wasn't a pastor at the time. <clears throat> so we're, Brian could put up a good argument. And we're chatting away, and I said, well, look, you can all stay here, but I've got to get back and run the second meeting. So anyway, they all came, and I thought, oh, that's it, you know, we'll... We'll never see poor Anne. She, I don't know if she'd even received at that stage. The next Sunday, they're there again. And Brian kept on coming back for about six weeks, and we had an Easter camp at Clarendon. We hired the Clarendon Lutheran Youth Camp, and he came down to receive the Holy Spirit yeah. there. And boy, what an evangelist he's turned out to be.
0: I interviewed Pastor Brian at Easter Camp, which was really good. So, and I think it was only what eight years later. I think he was the pastor in Mount Gambier, and that's where he's been. Probably, yes,
1: yes. Uh, uh, he's a goer. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, there you go. I didn't know that part of the story.
1: Yes, no, there's a lot of really interesting people that uh, have come along.
0: Why don't we wrap it up and yep. we'll uh, we'll come back for a part three and four.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yes, we'll get into uh, the millenniums. (laughs) I trust
0: you're enjoying listening to the conversation as much as I did actually having the conversation in the first place. It's a wonderful testimony and a wonderful couple who've just done such an amazing amount of work in serving the Lord. It doesn't matter where in the world you are, as you've heard from their testimony, whether you're out the back blocks of South Australia or whether you're in a metropolis, God can change your life too. If you want to find out more, then head over to our website, www.therevivalfellowship.com or send me an email, podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com. Until next time, God bless.